Welcome everybody to the Click Podcast, where you get your daily hit of our deep dives and our insights. This is a space, a your safe space for all things DAO operations. Ideas. We are here to talk realistic insights by the people who, who dig into the realistic things of it all. I'm your co-host Abhishek Ajit, and will, along with me is my co-host Abhishek Sanavne. Hi, Abhishek. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Amazing, man. It's perfectly good day today. for a wonderful podcast and along with us is our guest today Ayan Rahman from Gateway which is essentially a credentialing platform for the web3 space how are you doing Ayan doing wonderful thanks for having me guys oh fantastic so Ayan is actually the co-founder here of Gateway which has been kind of doing phenomenal work in the credentialing space they've partnered closely with Ceramic they Uh, they what to say they've been grantees from both Aave, uh, Aave DAO as well, and it's been a pleasure kind of working with them while uh, I was at Parcel also to kind of get some pretty nifty ideas out there. And Ayan here has been an advocate for the right assistance of credentialing that could kind of scale uh, Web three operations as well as bring in that sort of protection for all the participants out there. So before we get into his ideas and uh, how the product could be a game changer that way for Web three in general, we would like to start off with uh, what's your story, Ayan? How did you get into the uh, Web three space and uh, how did you kind of connect with the aspect of DAOs in general? Absolutely. Once again, thank you guys for having me. But a quick intro about myself uh, in terms of getting into the Web three space. My first foray actually came back in around 2016, early 2017, uh, where I actually read the Bitcoin white paper and started getting into actually investing into the space from a very passive perspective. I never did it for the from the idea of like truly sympathizing with like the narrative of what crypto stood for. That kind of happened uh, a year or two later once I started realizing that this thing didn't die down. Originally, my thought process was this is going to be a fad, like any other financial trend that was happening over the past few decades, and then eventually people will be able to cash out and move on. But when that didn't happen, I decided to actually dive deep into the Bitcoin white paper and especially Ethereum's white paper and the notion that. Bitcoin, this cryptocurrency has had for me uh, was the same notion the internet had the way on we on the way that we interact with people. I thought um, financially, Bitcoin and crypto as as a whole would change the way that we financially uh, transact with people. So that was my first uh, impression of crypto. And then as I went to uh, Boston College, I decided to take a couple of courses on on blockchain itself and understanding how the infrastructure works. After uh, a year at, at at Boston College, decided to join a startup that was focused on bridging the gap between decentralized and traditional finance, with the main focus on digital security offerings. So this came after like the ICO boom, where everyone was raising capital from you know uh, individuals across the world in a in a way that was not regulatory compliant. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I'm a student who's studying investment banking. Um, I find cryptocurrencies interesting. This is the bridge between the two sides. That view quickly changed as I started learning more about Web three. So, like, come end of twenty nineteen, I started learning about DeFi, and that's really where I started to get into all these different DAOs. Uh, initially, my relationship with DeFi and DAOs started with Yearn Finance, Ave, and Uniswap. 
But in particular, the thing that stood out to me was your and finances community. And I know a lot of people have their takes on Andre Cronhe and, you know, him getting into this space and essentially leaving. But early on, he was one of the true believers of like what it meant to be working the Dow, right? He built publicly. Uh, if you were part of that Telegram chat, you would remember him constantly going back to the community, getting their ideas, getting them to test the product, getting them to test the yield strategies, uh, having people come in and like actually do white hat hacking for the smart contracts themselves. And I think that was super unique uh, and got me to actually believe in the ethos of DAOs and like what a democratized version of consensus would look like to help build and scale out organizations and products. And then from there, I decided to join a, a VC firm, VC hedge fund called Visory Capital, help them build out their thesis for 2021, which is focused on like the metaverse as well as like DAO. DAOs in terms of like the collaboration amongst organizations, like scaling that out. So that's really where my first interest in uh, gateway started to arise, right? This concept of how do we create a more meritocratic ecosystem? Um, and I think that is like one of the core principles of crypto is like you have seen like in legacy systems where people are benefited because of their financial strength. Or, or they have like their personal connections. I think Web3 allows people to kind of remove their actual identity to create an identity that is more focused on the value they provide, the value that they can offer. And more importantly, doesn't focus on your connections, your relationships, and things that can be easily gained. Uh, at the time, you can see, right, uh, this aspect of credentialing is something that is still kind of nascent for uh, Web3 as we speak. I mean, the sort of platforms that are coming into play, they're still not uh, what we call as adoption within the Web3 space in general. So could you talk about what does the Web3 web space look like when it comes to credentialing? Why hasn't it like really picked up in the way it should be? If you take a look at Web2, I mean, the credentialing aspect is somewhat, it's kind of covering a lot of the areas uh, that's critical to the internet, even though it is flawed in a lot of ways. But then it's still... Uh, not as much uh, rampant as it is in the Web3 space. Uh, so could you talk about how credentialing has kind of come up in the Web3 space and uh, what are the loopholes that you see that kind of made you want to start Gateway in the first place? I'll actually take a step back from that question in terms of like, why is it that we haven't seen adoption of credentialing in Web3? I think that's actually a problem that exists more generally across Web3 in terms of its overall adoption, right? Uh, it's not something that's just limited towards credentials, but like if we think about DeFi itself, which is one of the more prominent use cases in crypto that emerged over the past three years, we all were part of you know DeFi summer in 2020, the reality is like those projects today still only, I would say, encapsulate less than probably half a percent of the total like financial world in terms of how much retail is actually interacting with these products, how many people are actually understanding what's going on. I think most people that got into crypto looked at it as a way of quickly making money without understanding what the underlying technology does or how the applications actually work. And I think this is a general issue in Web3 where we're constantly building out products or forking uh, things that have already worked. Like most DEXs today are just forks of Uniswap. Most lent borrowing lending platforms or or forks of Aave. And then you have people trying to create overall like money schemes that allow you to scale out like that are just, you know, copies of like Olympus, for example. So from that perspective, I think there's there's a large step that the industry needs to take to create applications that are more consumable by the average user. And I think the best use case that we've seen so far, and I even though I don't 
you know, love the overall idea of NFTs themselves in terms of how they've been uh, proliferated, right? Because they've been so focused on art and, uh, you know, one of one collections, etc. I have to admit that that has probably been the best way for us to interact with retail, right? So from that perspective, the reason that NFTs have been so successful is they're very simple to operate. You can go on OpenSea, you can easily purchase these assets. It's just like going to any other marketplace, right? Uh, OpenSea has created a Shopify for NFTs, uh, Magic Eden, same thing, right? So those consumer applications are, are, are very, very easy for the average person to understand. Now, if we're going to be focusing on what, why Web3 credentialing hasn't picked up, I think we first have to understand how the Web2 landscape of credentialing works, right? So the problems that exist with credentialing in Web2 are completely focused on like, I would say there's three main issues. One is that your data itself that you have provided to these platforms aren't actually owned by you, right? Uh, most of the credentials that are being issued, let's say Credly, Udemy, Coursera, et cetera, they own all that data and they operate in complete silos. And the issue when you have all this data living in one spot is you can't actually easily authenticate what the truth is. And then the consumption of said credentials is even more difficult because you can't arbitrarily find out what that data is used for how you can actually build applications on top of it, unless someone makes a public attestation like on their LinkedIn and says, hey, look, I've earned this credential. And then even then, who are we to say that that credential is valuable, right? It's, it's a very hard scheme in terms of understanding where the data comes from, who is validating the information, and then how can we attribute some level of value to it itself? Um, and I think that's where Web3 comes in, right? Where the Web3 a component of credentialing will become very important. And Web3 organizations themselves can actually utilize like this decentralized credentialing protocol for organizations or applications so that they, they can easily issue, receive, and consume the credentials themselves, right? So an example would be applications and individuals that are utilizing gateway natively. They can issue custom credentials based on like whatever parameters they want. This can be based off of your on-chain history. This is based off of off-chain sources like Twitter uh, or GitHub. And then others can actually consume said information that exists within the credential to build more custom, let's say data models, scoring systems or reputational, like uh, reputation models themselves. So now what you're having is teams will be able to build more context around their individual communities and then D apps themselves can actually integrate more meritocracy into their core functions. So think of like governance, hiring, uh, credit scores, et cetera. So that's where I think Web three changes from the Web two perspective. Uh, could you get more? Could you get into more detail about how you know the reputational models could kind of boost how meritocratic uh, things could be for when it comes to governance and when it comes to the general operations itself, because as you mentioned, you know, all these dApps in general, they've kind of operated very well without the need for that sort of credentials. So what's the uh, upgrade that's going, uh, that you can see as a dApp when you do kind of integrate this credentialing layer uh, within the system? I do enjoy this topic a lot in terms of trying to understand how credentialing will actually change the way Web3 works. Um, because the argument that you've provided here is that the way DAOs actually function is pretty, pretty good. I would argue the opposite. I think we have seen this over the past year or so uh, where DAOs are being forced to downsize. All of a sudden during you know, 2020 and 2021, you have a large amount of people coming in saying, hey, look, 
I love what you're doing. I want to help. But in reality, the reason that they were coming in is because they were either promised a token airdrop, uh, they were trying to quick make a quick buck. And that's not the reason that you want someone coming in to work with your organization. Um, let's say, for example, if you're a startup and you're growing out your team, you want individuals who are aligned with your mission and can provide value to help you grow out that product. You don't want individuals to be coming in because, hey, look, this company's raised a large Series A. We want to be able to make quick, quick, some good amount of money, and then we'll be able to move forward. So I think that's where credentialing comes in. It's like it helps you. I'll break it down between governance and hiring, but let's start off with governance. If I know, for example, that today, and I think there was a really good study that was done by Electric Capital on this. It may have been 1KX as well, but one of the two firms talked about how with governance itself, you have less than 1% of active token holders actually participating in governance voting, right? So this is like a team and someone sets up a snapshot space and 1% of the token holders are actually voting on, 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 on whatever is being discussed. Then you have even less than that. I would say it's probably a percent of the percent that is going in and going onto the governance forums and actually talking. Right. So let's say, for example, an organization that has like five million, a million, a million tokens in, in circulation, you have 10 to 12 people that are actually posting on a governance forum. That is a very bad metric in terms of translating because there's no way to incentivize people to actively participate in the community. Um, and I think credentialing changes, changes this because if we can find out who are the people who are most actively creating like let's say fluid discussions, they're the ones who are providing the most amount of value towards new uh, models for the, the platform itself. They should be recognized for that work. And then there, this will, will translate into them either having more voting power, them having more of a stronger reputation within the community. And I think that's where uh, credentials become interesting. It makes it very difficult for you to argue about someone's merit within an organization and then two it makes it very easy for you to assess their reputation and assess power to them right especially now where there's like token delegation models coming out i think that in use case becomes uh, very prominent across web3 and then on the hiring side you're no longer just hiring people because they're coming in and saying they want to contribute and said and i think this is where like the the web3 and web two world kind of merge you're you're actually focusing on the capabilities of that individual and hiring them based off of like the things that they have been able to do not only in the past but the ideas that they present right so i can open up you know i think um layer three does this pretty well where they have users come in uh for organizations and issuing them like nfts based or some sort of financial monetary reward for putting together let's say uh, a really good uh twitter campaign Right. And they'll choose someone and be like, okay, you've proven that you're able to do this work. Here's an NFT and here's some money to prove out that you've completed it. And I think that's the other use case around bounties and being able to complete tasks that will become very popular. So, in that regard, I kind of see that uh, you can kind of enable, you know, meritocratic modes of token distribution that can be layered through as long as there's a decent amount of activity measured by the community itself rather than, you know, risk rewarding. Uh, just on a random basis, that's what we've seen with a lot of these communities. When it when when we talk about the hiring side of things, I think uh, right from the contributor side of things, it's been haphazard. And there's when you talk about ease of access to contributors, they kind of lay off too easily because the ease of access is just too high. But then the question pops in: Is that how do you consider the uh, disparity that comes when you have contributors that are able to benefit from 
the DAO landscape now is because it's so nascent compared to the contributors that do come in at the late stage of the game. Uh, when you have that sort of reputation built that way, how do you reconcile that that aspect of con- the late stage newcomer coming into the game? He has that reputational access. How do you kind of transcend that and allow for a, uh, an equal playing field for these contributors uh, down the road also? How do you think these sort of reputation models can kind of uh, stick up then? I think this is this is a way of talking about even maybe DeFi token distributions, right? I think it's a pretty good example in terms of understanding it. I know we're focusing on a hiring example, but I think maybe this can portray the concept a little better. It's It depends on what you value more. Do you value someone coming super early to your platform or do you value the user that's actually providing, let's say, large increases to your growth metrics and KPIs, right? So while, let's say, Ayan may have been early, but you, Abhishek, you're someone that is more involved with the actual platform you're you, you let's let's take a platform like hop protocol for example you're someone who's actively lping you're someone that is um providing a lot of value in terms of doing transactions across multiple different layer twos i would argue that you despite me being earlier have provided more value to the overall protocol now if we credential the fact that ion was early and then we credential the usage of the platform and the and the activity of you lping etc then we can figure out easily who retains more value to the ecosystem while still assessing the fact that being early is great but also recognizing you for all the hard work that you've done right so now you can create a better scoring model for token distribution right you just leverage a credential itself saying like okay we will still provide a certain value to ayan for being early but the reality is that the, the there's also going to be a multiplier associated with the activity that abi has done in, in the, on the platform itself in terms of providing increases to our tvl in terms of providing increases to our lp our our pools and then also in terms of actually uh, in, uh, actively utilizing our platform for the purpose of your actual layer two transactions. Yeah, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense that way. Um, you know, you kind of, you have to incentivize early players also for the uh, risk they take to kind of bet on something that's so early that way. So we kind of come to gateway in itself now. Uh, now you have uh, these sort of principles and reputational models that could kind of transform how Web3 could kind of scale and kind of reward its people. How have you built Gateway as a platform that stands out when it comes to uh, enabling these sort of reputational models? And how does it stand out from the existing competitors? So the way I like to look at Gateway is from like two perspectives, right? You have two separate platforms that are currently active on Gateway. On the front end, and this is something that we just launched about two, three weeks ago now, uh, depending on when you guys watch this, it will be a different date. But uh, Gateway itself launched what we call our credentialing D app. This is a place where organizations can easily come in, set up a gateway space, and issue credentials to their community for the purpose of community engagement, marketing, etc. So a lot of these use cases oftentimes focus around like education, checking if people are token holders, seeing their activity on Twitter. Uh, these are sorts of credentials that you'll see. Uh, the difference between us and a lot of the other players within the space, when we look at our approach here, is we allow it to be very modular. Uh, we don't want to be involved with the process of creating those credentials for you. We want you to be the issue of those credentials and create the journey for the users in terms of going from being a newcomer to a potential competent contributor to becoming a 
part-time member or full-time member within the team, right? We really want to kind of part of that, that contributor journey. And it starts with what we believe community engagement and marketing and education and things like that. Then on the second side, and this is what Gateway has is, is really focused on is our credentialing protocol. And that is going to be, that is going to become part of the Web3 ecosystem through our SDK and API. The, the concept here is going to be the credit, the gateways SDK is going to be the powerhouse for like Web3 credentials. So like easily you can issue these credentials. Gateway will handle like the indexing and the curating for said credentials. And then the data itself will go towards helping individuals build a professional identity. Our, our idea in terms of credentialing is different from a lot of other people where they simply make everything NFTs. While that's a great concept, we think that there is a strong value towards data sovereignty where users should have the choice of whether or not they want to make information public or keep it private. Right? There's certain credentials that exist today even in the real world um, that we want to keep private. Let's say, for example, our financial information. Right? There's a lot of stuff that goes into, a def- uh, into our credit scores and stuff. We don't want that openly accessible to all people sometimes, right? But what if we could make it so that way people can understand that you've been issued a DeFi credit score or something like that, but they don't exactly know what the information is. Instead, they have to come to you to ask for permission to access that information. And then if they want to leverage this for the platform, let's say, for example, Ave wants to access my credentials, I provide them with access to it, then and only then can Ave utilize that to assess maybe my lending rates for borrowing on their platform, et cetera, right? So it puts a lot of the control into the user's hand, which I think is more important in the way that NFTs do it, where they make all this information publicly available. So Ayan, uh, if I understand this right, uh, will, there, uh, will the gateway app uh, be kind of like a login, uh, uh, you know, make login easier, just like what we have right now in the Web2 world, which is like, you can log in with Google or you can log in with Facebook. Am I, am I uh, getting, catching this right? Yeah. So e- e, that's like the goal with the DIDs, right? Um, the, the, the concept behind DIDs is that it shouldn't be limited by one wallet for a person, right? You should be able to associate multiple different wallets, multiple different, let's say, social platforms to a DID. And then that itself is encrypted and then users will control the keys for the DID, um, so that way, no one else can actually have access to the information that's con- that's associated with the DID itself. I, in terms of comparing it to Google or Facebook, I think yes, in terms of the accessibility, but no in regards to the data applications, right? Because the reality is when you're doing uh, allowing Google to connect to an application, essentially what you're saying is now Google will have access to all that information that is going on in that platform, right? So d- Google is still the, the data silo. The idea here is going to be that you yourself, the user, will have control over your data table itself for access, uh, and providing permissions to each application in terms of what they can consume uh, from you know, connecting it to Gateway or even connecting that DID to another application. So uh, the thing with something like a Google, why it's kind of uh, become this, mainstream the one single source of information across platforms is that because they've been so they've penetrated almost every android phone there is it becomes easy to kind of have all that data within that phone but um, the issue with something uh, here is that um, the reputational models depend on the communities and they are scattered across chains so how do you kind of reconcile with 
you know all that reputational activity being uh, sourced in one chain and with the proliferation of more and more layer ones that uh, reputational activity gets scattered all across how do you kind of bring together all that reputational activity for a cohesive reputational score that could be kind of taken across to any dao in the space i think isn't that a infrastructural problem that currently lies ahead yeah i think that's a major leap that this industry needs to take right and i i believe that we while we may be on that route in terms of being able to create greater composability amongst data for identity we still have a ways to go so the question that we have to do to ask ourselves is how do we build out something that allows us to carry our identity across multiple different chains without com- compromising a security and b without allowing it to become an issue in terms of accessibility right because to your guys point google is where it's at because of the fact that it's very easy the user doesn't even think like i do this all the time whenever it says log in with google the first thing i'm going to do is log in with google why because it makes it super easy for me i don't have to create a profile i don't have to go through an entire long process um very very seamless flow so until the point that we can actually combat seamlessness with security i don't see things going forward but that's the problem that we have to solve and uh, the, another question here is that uh, you know credentialing itself you kind of have it's still kind of a nascent thing that's kind of picked up within the web3 space itself i mean the way in which you know you platforms kind of proliferate credentialing across i think uh, you kind of have to develop a lot of best practices where they can develop uh, that sort of reputational models currently within your platform what are the current use cases that you can enable right now that daws could easily access and build uh, something for their uh, communities to kind of scale or kind of build that sort of meritocracy that you speak of Absolutely. So uh, again, going back towards like the two offerings on Gateway, you have the ability to issue credentials to your community for the purpose of education, marketing, and community engagement, right? And from there, what we can do is create like access control points utilizing encryption via like a lit protocol or if even if we want to make our credentials compatible with like a guild XYZ, etc., we can do so. So there's that one aspect where you can still do permissioning and access controls from an act from a perspective of having access to discords and telegrams and things like that then there's the more complicated reputational models and use cases right and this is the thing that excites me um one of my personal favorite ones is going to be probably around like defi credit scores and then especially when it comes to future reward mechanisms and airdrops right we always everyone's talking about cyber resistance i think it will be interesting to see how credentials become like the inarguable truth for the state of all reward mechanisms in the future. So we're working with a couple of like DeFi protocols currently to help issue credentials to the community for two aspects. On one side, the actual usage of the platform and like the value that we can uh, associate it with that. And then two, what we can do is issue credentials to individuals for like the community interactions. So now when they come up with token distribution models, it's not only reliant upon hey, you've been doing all this in- activity on chain but what 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 reward do i get for being someone who is constantly in the discord who is constantly participating on twitter who is constantly uh helping on like joining twitter amas etc so there has to be a certain value as, uh, attributed to the community because that's such a big part of the web3 ethos so that's something that i'm very excited for the other use cases i think are going to be even more interesting 
over like from a general Web3 perspective is definitely around education. And I think the kudos goes to like Brian and, and team over at Rabbit Hole because they've made education something very interesting for Web3. And now people are able to like earn skills and earn, let's say, NFTs to recognize them for their skill sets and knowledge. But I think there's a step further where we can go and actually the disintermediate the way that educational institutions actually issue credentials, right? Um, I think the future will happen is you'll have these large institutions like the Harvards of the world, but then all the smaller colleges kind of decentralize over time where they will be known for certain courses. And then users can come into these institutions for uh, complete courses, receive a credential saying, hey, look, you've just completed the engineering course at this community college. And then they can go to another college and receive a credential for finance um, for like, let's say, being able to understand Excel, et cetera. So now like the lower skill levels and on the skill tree can become more democratized in terms of access. And then value can be attributed towards like how people are actually leveraging those skills. The ease of access for deploying credentials is become a thing now where uh, the roadmap for you know, uh, sensible credentialing practices can come into play. But as someone who's looking to hire purely based out of on-chain resumes, uh, you kind of see a, a plethora of these, uh, what to say, you have a co-app that's given out for attending a Twitter space, you have a, you have a credential that's given out for being a member, you have a credential that's given out for deploying a lot of GMs every day. And the sort of problems that's come is that uh, you take a look at the hiring scene right now, why people prefer Ivy Leagues is because, you know, deep down in their heads, they want to kind of sift through quickly and they want to get that uh, resume out there. And uh, you see the Harvard and those sort of names in the end kind of come through, no matter what sort of skill sets a guy has. So how do you avoid that sort of scenario by developing these sort of pragmatic reputational models? Uh, are we kind of creating more of a bias by allowing for that sort of proliferation of credentials? So there, I, the way that I would separate is between the issuance of the credentials itself and the consumption. The reason that Harvard's degree itself is so valuable is because that, that vetting process that the person initially goes through and to be accepted is very, very difficult. That's why Harvard only has like a less than, let's say 10% acceptance rate, right? So, and once you have an understanding around that, then you know that this individual, even though you have no understanding of how they actually work, et cetera, can understand that they have proven out a certain level of competency to go through a vigorous, let's say, initiation process, right? So if I have an understanding around how Harvard's credentials are valuable, then it makes it easier for me to consume. And that's where the consumption aspect comes in. It's like, how do we change in Web3 the consumption of credentials? So that way we no longer just look at the credential at base. Instead, we understand where the value is actually occurring from. And that's where I think the open source component of Web3 comes in, where not only do you have the ability to issue credentials easily, but now you have the easy access to the actual data or metadata associated with a credential. So that way you can create a more meritocratic way of assessing people's reputation and their value. So now there's an easier way for us to understand, hey, look, what is going on here within uh, this specific credential that Ayan has sent to Abi? And then now let's understand like who Ayan is. We have an understanding around who Abi is. And now we can create a way to actually um, generate um, some sort of financial or scoring uh, metric associated with that credential. So the way I see it, you, know, you have this ability 
for DAOs to kind of issue it and the value of those credentials come from the vetting itself and how important the DAO is within the landscape itself. Now, uh, for DAOs that are looking to build a solid credentialing system, both for probably governance or contributors, what are the best practices that you would want to give to these DAOs to ensure that their credentials have value, um, especially when it comes to onboarding and uh, contributor retention? Could you clarify that question? So you're saying how does Gateway enable that or how do I view um, credentials actually being leveraged to increase onboarding? No, I mean, uh, Gateway is still a platform, right? But it's still on the Mm -hmm. DAOs to come up with that sort of best practices to ensure that, you know, the whole credentialing is in tandem with the onboarding process. You work with a lot of DAOs that way and you've seen how their onboarding and their whole contributor, uh, what to say, their whole roadmap works out. If a DAO wants to build that sort of best practices, what would you recommend to them, when, especially when it comes to onboarding and the whole contributor lifecycle? So when, when we're looking at it from a hiring perspective, I think that each organization is going to be different, right? So to say that there's one shoe that fits all sizes like is not what I want to position because, again, that's like not the I, – I don't think that fits with the whole entire concept of meritocracy. But what I will say is that if a DAO wants to ensure that the credentials are being consumed correctly, that's going to be based off of how much value the overall community assesses towards specific credentials, right? So if I do have someone that's coming in and let's say, for example, they have credentials issued to them from Yearn, Ave, and Olympus, for example, then versus someone that doesn't have any credentials issued to them from any organizations, I have at least an understanding around like what this person has done within the Web3 ecosystem. And then I can ask for, ask for like greater permission uh, or access to said credentials to understand what exactly like their proof of work has been. Like what is the, the Web3 resume comprised of? What is the work that they've completed? And then from there, I can make my own judgment value. Okay, if I'm hiring people with such experiences, with such uh, work completed, with this many years of work versus this many um, projects that they've worked on, then you can almost create your own hiring scores uh, for you to assess uh, workers as they come in, as opposed to necessarily needing to go through a vigorous or let's say even a lengthy process in terms of hosting calls, going through multiple rounds, etc. I think that's a fair point, you know, because you uh, you have to measure the right amount of activity that's done for the contributor, and uh, that activity should have the right amount of impact also to earn that sort of credential rather than just deploying credentials for any random thing. And that credential is uh, based on the sort of community that you want to build. So totally on tandem with that. But then uh, this whole on-chain resume, I kind of feel that there might be a flaw there. You take a look at the Wonderland situation, for example, where uh, you have this 0x for person who allegedly was involved in a lot of criminal activity with Quadriga CX. And then that was never taken into account because the guy was anon and he had done so much good work for Wonderland that that background never came into play. But now you have this on-chain resume where you can guarantee some degree of provenance. But what is the background before Web3 is completely hazy. You have LinkedIn where you can uh, fake your profiles. You have Google also where you can put in Uh, all sorts of fake info and that is going to be blended with this on-chain activity 
how do you ensure a degree of provenance when the data source itself is uh, for that background which is required to understand your contributors um, as a from a holistic perspective how do you reconcile that is the question yeah i think that that use case is, is, is difficult to talk about because that's something that's more in line with like what bitcoin passport's trying to do almost trying to establish some level like proof of humanity um i think in that scenario what you have to look at is what is that person who would be willing to disclose about their anonymous profiles and like how does that attribute to their ability to perform work like in super situation obviously one of the more beloved personas within the wonderland community at the time for the work that they were contributing but this is very different uh from like what he has done in the past like obviously he was involved with the ico scams the issues with the uh, the canada uh, financial bank the banking situation so i think that that's an interesting use case for just kyc'ing in general is that you know we should if there's a certain platform or project in depending on like what hiring you practices people want to institute you should have them be able to submit certain kyc credentials and then what you can do by you know in, encrypting the information is say hey look i've received let's say for example my uh, i received a kyc credential from bank of america but now someone can easily verify that this credential exists without needing to understand what that credential entails meaning that there is data validation the ability to validate that this credential exists but you don't have access access to the information within the credential so now i will know that bank of america has validated that ayan is a customer um, of bank of america he's passed our kyc and now other banks can consume that information right instead of them needing to do their own kyc process again so i think that that's where like credentials could possibly come in to help prevent like cyber resistance or even in this case bad actors but i think overall that that use case is very difficult for us to really really hone in on because again you can just create multiple different wallets you can create multiple different identities the issue of identity exists not only in web3 but also in web2 right and in the general world as well because you have people who can forge uh, passports and legitimate identity um, profiles i kind of see a lot of interesting use cases that come because of this as you rightly mentioned so probably let's say 5 years down the line kind of right now you enable some degree of what to say onboarding and hiring capabilities through gateway but what is your roadmap ahead i kind of see that you've enabled cyber connect for the platform and it seems like a pretty nifty option ahead but 5 years down the line success is guaranteed what are the sort of features that you would like to see enabled on top of gateway and how would you enable your web3 part- platforms to kind of partners to kind of succeed with you Yeah, well, I don't think uh, success is guaranteed, but the things that we are working on will hopefully put us on that track. Dream, right? uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not willing, but let's see what happens here. Um, I, I think the things that we're most excited for currently, um, I, like I said, is like the actual consumption of credentials and like how can we build out a very strong SDK in the coming weeks to allow applications to build not only issuances of credentials but custom conditions that they can then use to create their own scoring models based on the credentials that users hold right so these scoring models can be for token airdrops for loans for job applications etc that's like i think where we will be spending a lot of the next 2 to 6 months on uh, in terms of making that more permissionless and more accessible for developers to build on top of and then in regards to where we see ourselves in 5 years i would say definitely um the most 
interesting use cases that we'll be covering is how can we take all these different sorts of credentials and relaying it back to a professional identity? So now, you know, who you know as a Jan, the person, is not necessarily separate, but it's its own entity, the professional sense of him. And how can we assess value to his professional work without having to necessarily pull from who he is as an individual? And I think that becomes a true way of creating like decentralized uh, personas in the metaverse. I think that sounds pretty radical that way uh, to kind of uh, allow for that sort of resume to be part of your on-chain avatars as well as in the metaverse. I think that sounds pretty neat. You know, besides Gateway, uh, you have a lot of cool uh, projects that kind of bring in a lot of value and have really reshaped the way decentralized identity is kind of uh, picking up steam in the imagination of people, especially in the Web3 space. For people who want to kind of uh, follow this space and keep track of developments, uh, who do you think uh, are the best projects and the best sources of information to kind of follow and keep track of in the DID space? Well, I think the best project hands down has to be Gateway, right, guys? Um, so follow <laughs> us on Twitter, join our Discord. I think I, 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 if I hadn't said that, my team would be upset with me. But um, I think the other players uh, that I think are crucial towards what I call the identity tech stack are our partners in Ceramic, in CyberConnect, as well as Lit Protocol. I think the combination of all these applications, this is what's unique about Web3 is, you, each of these individual organizations can focus on a certain aspect of the overall identity stack and then move downwards to create a more stronger ecosystem for decentralized identities, for data sovereignty itself, right? And that's kind of like goes back towards like this event that we held, which is like into the dataverse. So I'm excited to be working with those organizations, seeing how we can make a you know, make an identity system that is not limited towards one use case, but applicable across not just Web3, but Web2 as well. So, uh, Ayan, I have a question. So, how is Gateway kind of different from all the other players that are there in uh, the decentralized identity uh, space? Yeah, I think on there's two aspects to it. It's first of all, understanding how we are looking at DIDs in terms of the use case. So for us, like it's very tailored towards like the professional identity aspect of it. I know there's a lot of people who are doing education or they're doing general credentials for like um, it, for, for humanity purposes in terms of understanding the realness of a person. Um, for me, I think that the professional uh, or identity use case is the most interesting because it allows us to actually understand how data can be consumed while still retaining privacy for the user and allowing them to control what information goes out publicly. So that's where I think Gateway's DID use case is different. And then in terms of technology, I think there's like a couple of differences. Uh, either certain people believe in like the W3C standard, which is completely focused on everything being completely controlled by the user, no level of data validation publicly whatsoever, and making that a very siloed ecosystem, which I don't think is too different from like the Web2 model, because at the end of the day, it's still up to the user to true choose what they want people to have permission with. I think it takes the Web2 model and changes the power from organizations to individuals. So it's, it's and then the other opposite polar view is NFTs, which is hey, everything is going to be publicly accessible. And then what we can do is maybe make like a Merkle root and then encrypt that. But I think, again, like there's simpler ways 
and the technology on the ZK side, it's still coming out. Um, I'd rather focus on building something that's easy for people to understand, yet still focusing on the the, the ethos of Web3 without getting too complicated. No, I think uh, those are some pretty uh, nifty steps to take. You, know, you kind of prioritize um, you know, what the user wants rather than kind of going in for the cool thing. I mean, you kind of do take care of the cool aspect also in a way. Uh, but you don't fall for the developer's trap, you know, where they want to make that cool thing happen and deprioritize uh, what's simple for the user in that way. So in that sense, it's been amazing keeping track of uh, your journey and uh, what gateway is up to. I really love the conversation, Ayan. Before we wrap things up, I just wanted to understand how can our listeners follow you and also contribute to the journey of gateway? Absolutely, yeah. So would love for you guys to first and foremost follow Gateway itself on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash gateway underscore XYZ. Um, that's our Twitter. Uh, if you want to hop into our Discord, just go to our, again, to either our website or to our Discord uh, or to our Twitter, and you can join into the Discord and kind of like see the active discussions that we're having there. Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing a bunch of different credentials uh, with organizations. Um, so excited for that. So keep an eye out if you, especially if you want to potentially earn credentials and if those credentials are going to be consumed for various reasons, I would definitely want you to get ahead of that. So that's what my recommendation would be to all, uh, people who are looking to get involved with the project. And then if you're interested on my personal thoughts of credentialing the overall, uh, DeFi ecosystem, the Web3 ecosystem, feel free to shoot me a follow on social, especially on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. And then feel free to shoot me a DM on, on Discord as well. Uh, always open to talking. That's exactly how me and Abi became uh, close peers in this space. Despite never having seen each other in person, uh, we still keep a relatively strong touch. In that sense, it's been amazing keeping track. Uh, it's been a real buddy that way. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Ayan, for taking the time to speak with us. A real pleasure getting to know you and the Gateway Project. Really looking forward to those credentials. And uh, yeah, let's connect sometime again. Thank you.